So welcome to another episode of the Sales Confidence Podcast. Uh, today I've got Marcus Olds, the RVP of Salesloft, on the line today. Super excited to be working with Marcus. We've done a lot of work with Salesloft over the last few years, and it's great to get an RVP on the line to hear his journey, his experiences of the sales profession, and how he looks after himself from a confidence and well-being perspective. As you know, this podcast is the aim is to get to the heart and mind of the leader, find out what they're all about and share with you their experiences. So super happy to have you on today, Marcus. Um, how are you feeling and what are you most excited about today? Uh, I'm feeling well. It's a, it's a nice day for once. Yesterday was horrible. Um, what am I most excited about today, James? Uh, I was thinking about this. I, I think it's, I get to go speak, I get to go pick up my kid this afternoon. So I've got a two-year-old um he goes to nursery every day because you know, both myself and my wife work and i think every day what i have is i have a uh, a daddy and noah one-on-one that's in my calendar everyone on my team knows it it's uh it's got a very set agenda that's usually playground snacks and then jumping in puddles and then we usually finish with next steps which is bath and bedtime so i always look forward to kind of making sure i have that time every day with him because otherwise we very rarely get to spend any kind of quality time together oh that's excellent i'm glad to hear you get that um it's good that's the joy of the flexibility of working from home these days especially with young children is you get to spend more time with them so that's fantastic to hear um so let's go into a bit more about you as an individual um what's typically the first thing you wake you you think about when you wake up in the morning (laughs) uh usually usually it's uh it's a case of looking over to my wife and playing paper scissors rock to see who his responsibility is to look after noah in the morning uh if it's if it's my responsibility, because she knows I always go rock, uh, usually what that's going to be is I'll take him downstairs, we'll do breakfast, we'll kind of play bricks until it's time for nursery. And then usually nursery is eight o'clock in the morning, drop him off, come back, and then it's get ready for the day. And that's check my calendar, check in the emails. We're, we're going to Atlanta head office, so we usually get, get quite a lot of emails overnight because of the time difference. Uh, so we check emails, make sure there's nothing I have to cascade down to the team check my calendar, get ready. And then it's usually meetings from 9am or in this case, a podcast from 9am. Great stuff. I'm glad to hear it. Well, I'm glad I've got you here on this podcast this Thank morning you. Yep. after such an early start. So you've obviously, now we've had the joy of having you speak at a number of sales confidence events and I've seen how your career has progressed in the last few years. Um, like where do you get your inspiration and motivation from to grow as an individual? Um. Uh, it feels like a bit of a broken record, but you know, I and I, I'll start it and then I'll finish it slightly differently. But it, it is my family. I, I make sure that my motivations is to make sure that I think I grew up and when I was growing up, it, it I probably didn't have the easiest of of upbringings. I didn't. There was a lot of opportunities I didn't get. There was a lot of experience that I wanted that I wasn't able to achieve. And sale and my career to date has really given me that opportunity to have those experiences and have them for my family. And so a lot of my motivations and inspirations is to make sure that what I couldn't have growing up, my family can. And, and that kind of keeps me highly motivated. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, do you remember your very first experience of sales? Uh, yes, it was probably trying to get my parents to buy me a bike when I was six. But uh, <laughs> prof- professionally, it was a very good bike. It was a, a little blue rocket that I really wanted. because um, I didn't want my brother's hand-me-downs. But I think pro- professionally, it was uh, selling what I can only describe as propaganda material to uh, from industry lobbyists into the Australian government. 
Now okay. that was a strange one. It was a it was a commission only job. I sat in this awful room. They gave me a long list of companies that I had to go and call, work out maybe some of the things they needed to try and get the government to change in terms of law or regulation so they could do some horrible things to the to the environment. I wasn't there for very long uh, and I was doing it when I was still at uni. So that was my my first drive into sales. It was an absolute horrible boiler room sitting next to some very strange people, uh, all trying to make a little bit of money by the end of the day because we weren't getting any basic salaries. That's interesting. That's not easy doing commission only. Uh-uh. Yeah, um, I, never, I don't think I'll ever do it again. But, no. Uh, how would anybody who can? Yeah. I, I, um, I heard of someone the other day who's in recruitment who was telling me a story that he's getting commission only right now, but he's so well rewarded that it's working out on the upside for him. So yeah. it, it, there can be scenarios where it works out, but when you've got a family and you've got other people respond, like dependent on you, Commission only, that must be frightening. Oh, yeah. Look, it, I was I was young at the time, so I, I was doing some stupid stuff, just making sure I get some money to pay my rent. But um, I, I, I think that there is some commission only jobs where if I looked at like sales loft or some of the previous companies I've been at where you've got a really controlled velocity over your conversion, you've got a consistent flow of pipeline and you know, your earning potential through your uh, through your ramping or through your you know, your kickers. I, I think there's many people here who would say I'd rather do that because they back themselves to achieve their job. At the end of the day, as a sales role and in a sales opportunity, the most important thing is to, well, hit your numbers realistically from a level of control and, and comfort. And, you know, if the numbers work out to make more money from, from commission only, I'm sure people would, you know, would jump at it. But, yeah. you know, it takes a certain risk. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, it's interesting. I mean, this podcast is about you, but I did a commission only job um, doing door to door sales, persuading people to get their milk delivered. Yeah. So um, that was quite amusing because everyone gets their milk from their local store when they do their weekly shop. But we had to go round and persuade them to go backwards in time and started getting it delivered from the local milkman, um, uh, which was an interesting one. So. I know. I did. I, did. I, I got my milk delivered during COVID. That was about it. Oh, there you go. So you support your local See? milkman. Yeah. Perfect. See, you should have come and done it all. You should have sold to me when we're all in lockdown. <laughs> you would have made an absolute fortune. Uh, yeah, I bet. Um, so thinking about your career and the different stages that you've been on, what, what, what do you think has made you successful by the things that you do at each stage of your career? Uh that's one's nice to think that you think I'm successful. Uh, the second, the second, the second, I, I think the one thing I've, I've always looked at is uh, one leading into the role that I was doing at that time. I kind of give this advice to a lot of my team as well. Or when I'm hiring people, I'll be like, do you want this role or do you want to work at this company? And I think it's so when I was always uh, every role, I've always said to myself, what, am, what impact am I having in the wider uh, kind of structure of the organization. What is it that I do that is tied to the output that the company desires? And that could be, you know, in a junior role, it might be a very small component of it. Like I need to hit my number because my number rolls up into a larger number and that larger number rolls up into the to the organization. But if I, if I felt that I had purpose in what I was doing, I'd lean into it. I'd know what I was trying to achieve. But in terms of those transitions, it was then how do I understand how my job impacts another stakeholder and so by having that larger understanding as to uh 
where does everything maneuver and how does everything work? I think what that did is that led me into a management role because it led me to have uh, almost a desire and a, and a, and a, a I guess, a, 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 an ideal around how do I work with stakeholders? And then that like leveled me up and then that leveled me up and then that leveled me up. So it was like salesperson, sales director, head of sales, VP of sales, chief revenue officer. Every time it was virtually the same thing because working in, in any kind of environment, especially professional environment like what we do in sales, it, it's usually it's, it's going to be a team sport and it's going to be how do you impact other people and really managers are just about reducing roadblocks for the rest of your team. And so just having that, uh, that ability to understand how to connect and understand how I interacted with other people usually got me through the, you know, those stages pretty quickly, which was nice. Great, great. Um, uh, so moving on now to think about your company, um, what, what is sales off? What do you do? Oh, thanks for that. I, you know, I always tell my guys to say the same thing. I would say that what we do is our job is to make sales people, to make our people who use sales loft more efficient. And so usually at the end of the day, sales loft is all about, like any software companies could be, can we make you money? Can we save you money? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that that's why people buy software. What I like to think is we can make you money and we can save you money. And we do that by making every salesperson or every, every customer success manager or every account manager or every op- opportunity manager, the, give them the transparency on what the best next step is and have a very accurate reflection of historically is where you've been to make sure that you're making wise decisions as to how you can invest and grow your organization. And we do that through having a, a revenue platform that's like a cockpit for uh, how you organize and run your day. Amazing. Amazing. Now, I guess, you know, people that listen to these podcasts are interested, often end up interviewing at Sales Loft. Um, and so a question I like to ask is what, what makes it a special place to work? What's special about the DNA that makes sales off a special place to work for you? Um, well, I'll kind of quickly, I'll kind of tell you this, maybe the quick story as to how I got to sales loft. Yeah. Um, I, I worked in sales organizations for years and years and years and I have, and I'm also very quickly, I'll kind of talk it through the lens of my, my org, my org being the revenue organization uh, at, at SalesLoft. Speak to you know, Tash Evans or Zach Lipton about their orgs and why they find it special and then I'll probably get there. But um, maybe, you know, maybe it's just bad experiences for me previously, but I've always felt that the sales organization was that, was that department that people love to hate, hmm. that it was always... Um, they get paid too much. They're a little bit rowdy. They're always asking for too much. Uh, they're always difficult. It's always their fault or their problem when the company isn't quite perfect or the customer's a little bit unhappy. And when I heard about this thing called sales engagement, I knew that what they were really trying to get to the heart of was creating sales as a vocation, that the sales teams and the sales people had to be championed. And so I gravitated to sales engagement. And then I said, well, I'm going to gravitate to sales engagement. I want to gravitate to the best in class software. And I had a couple of different options. And then I found the right role for me. And then I met the management team at SalesLoft. And what I knew from them is that they wanted to make sure that 
from a, a cultural standpoint, and we use the, I think the, the word culture is banded around way too much these days. It's a, a buzzword, but it was, I've definitely worked in cultures and when those cultures are, I'm going to buy you a ping pong table. I'm going to give you free breakfast. And our culture is wonderful. And I just didn't think that's right. What I, what I really quickly identified at SalesLoft was that, do we have psychological security? Do we treat you like a human? Do we empathize about the world around you and what's happening at that particular point? Can you truly bring your true self to work? And what I noticed with SalesLoft is the first thing they asked me was, you know, oh, congratulations, you're, you know, I know you're a recent dad. What does that mean in terms of how you need to organize your time? You know, and going back to my original question, one of the first things I said is, I want to make sure I've got time with him. And they said, great, make sure you're blocking off two hours a day. Like that in a, an environment that is as fast paced as what, you know, some people know SalesLoft is all about is not only just novel, it's inspiring. Mm. And that, that just means that your attachment and strive towards the company is so much more because you're driven to a purpose that comes back to what you've already talked about in this session, which is about your family. And yeah, if you've absolutely. got time for your family, you're willing to give more back to the company. Yeah, I, and I think there's also a, a, a certain, there's also another element to it, which is one of like the old cliches I've thrown around for a long time is that only the most aspirational companies can hire the most aspirational people. You know, and one thing that SalesLoft does incredibly well is talk about what that aspiration is. Mm-hmm. Aspiration not only from a purpose perspective, but aspirational from a commercial perspective, aspiration from a kind of a, an entire mission perspective, uh, from a from a, a mission perspective. And, and being able to communicate that openly and transparently obviously then drives the right kind of talent because everyone's com- working for that same common goal. Brilliant. So what 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 do you look for then for attributes when you're hiring that I'm sure relate to some of those points that you just made? Uh, how cheap are they though? Um, the, <laughs> the, um, I've actually changed the way I thought. You actually asked me this question about four years ago when I was a go-cardless. Oh, wow. You asked me exactly the same question. At that time, I said um, coachability uh, and, tr- and trust. For the two things and I, and I would say that both of those two things are absolutely aspects i would still look for but they're very coachability and trust are incredibly difficult to test for during interviews mm-hmm. that's what i've noticed and so you're almost taking a gamble you ask somebody if they're coachable during the interview process i'll say yes you give them a few you ask them for a couple of examples of times they've coached themselves they'll say yes um and so i've slightly started to change that that view and so now i look at um ability to overcome adversity is a big one. You know, we know that let's say you're the greatest salesperson in the world. Most people are still going to get more no's than yeses. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely going to get more no's than yeses on a daily basis. It, even during the sales cycle, you're going to get more no's. Even when you're selling a deal that ends up being yes, you'll probably still get more no's than yeses. So I think overcoming adversity is one. And you can test for that relatively well during the interview process. Um, the second is, was I excited when I got off the call from you? Can I remember you? And I think it's really important we think about this because at Sales Loft, I remember sitting with the Chief Revenue Officer Steve Goldberg when I was first interviewing and he said, why should I hire you? And I said, because I'm your buyer. I was the same person, the person who's now selling Sales Loft is the same person who's buying Sales Loft. We sell to VPs of Sales and Chief Revenue Officers. And the one thing I've always, I, I remember about Sales Loft is, uh, sorry, about uh, in general, people selling to me is I get 30 cold calls a day or at least 30 inquiries a day, I get people pitching me. And it's the ones that I can build rapport with quickly and I remember them that I'm always going to gravitate back to. So that's the second piece I look for. Um, 
And the third, I think the third one is aspiration. I want to, I want someone who comes in and as I said before, knows that they want this role, but doesn't want to retire in this role. And I think that's always a good one. I, I, I don't hire CEOs. I hire SDRs starting out their careers. I, st I hire one or two years of sales experience. I hire, you know, maybe three or four years of account management experience. These are the people I hire and I know they're not going to end here. And the important thing of all of that is I want them to know that they want their own career path because I'll help them get to Oz, but basically they need to help me build their yellow brick road. Oh, I love that. I mean, and if you've got that aspirational character, they're going to be driving hard for you during that phase that they're with you. You know, they might move on and move out, but you've got that opportunity to get them on the top of that curve and yeah. give them the runway that they need to be successful. Absolutely. But I also think it's that they have aspiration. And as I went back, the aspirational companies hire aspirational people. Aspirational people are sometimes the most difficult people to manage, but they're also the most rewarding ones to manage mm -hmm. because they will challenge the status quo. They will challenge the way that I think about running the organization. And they will typically come with solutions about how to solve for it because they know where they want to end up. And in many ways, the role that they're in today is simply a mechanism for that to happen. And what the, the, the what they leave behind is going to be better is going to be beneficial for the rest of their organization brilliant um well thank you for sharing i think that'd be helpful for anyone to listen to um if they're looking to join your team so that's super helpful um moving on to sales and the experience of you as a salesperson is there a book that's impacted your sales career yeah lots um I'm a, do I have an app here? Hang on. My, yeah, hang on. One second. My camera just went down. I've just, I've, this is one I have here every day, right? So never split the difference, Chris Voss. Um, definitely one that has impacted me greatly um, in relation to just how to run a great negotiation. And I think that that's critical for the SaaS environment. I think, maybe. Maybe a few people from sales will listen to this call and be like, "Monkey, you're an idiot. Don't say this." But in many ways, I think that the the, the technology in itself will sell itself um, as a sales organization in, in in the in the technology environment. Yeah. I, I have I have worked at a company that had horrible tech, and it didn't matter how good you were as a salesperson, you weren't selling it. It didn't meet criteria. It didn't have fit. It was a bit clunky. It had lots of bugs, troubleshooting, bad social proof. It was never going to be successful. It was never going to be successful. Um, when you then lean into a technology, we're lucky enough to have at SalesLoft or when I was at, at Google and Google has perfect product market fit, um, really what you were doing in the sales organization was maximizing the negotiation. What is how, how big is my land? What's the average value of my deal? And what is the total lifetime value of that contract? Basically, that was what you're aiming for. And something like, so that's why I always gravitate to how strong are your negotiation skills? Because typically, if your product's good, you will get to that point. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, so when you think about your experience, you've done a lot of hiring. I'm sure you've done a lot of firing as well. Um, what is it about the best salespeople that you've come across? What, what makes them great at what they do? Uh, they lean into it. And what I mean by that is they understand that sales in a modern environment, and I'm not talking, you know, 
15 years ago, 20 years ago, and I was running sales teams and it was a lot less complicated in many ways, uh, is they understand it's a team sport and they bring in the right stakeholders at the right times and they they under, they don't they have the uh, the self-confidence to know that they don't need to run the entire motion themselves. And the more that we can get people to understand this, that as a salesperson, your skill set is not talking to an operations director or a tech or, or an engineer about their language and their world, but getting somebody who does have that expertise to go and talk to them about that because companies are not buying from you anymore. The old people buy from sales, people buy from people thing. No, people just don't buy from assholes. Like the, the reality is, is that most of it is that they're buying a company now. They've done enough. They've done enough education. They know what they want in many ways. I am not getting my SDRs reaching out to businesses who have absolutely no need or desire for sales loft. They're not. The education of the market is so much greater than it used to be. Now, what they're looking for is partners, and partners require, require credibility. And credibility comes from the idea that you can put that the company is credible, not just that one salesperson is credible. And I, I, I can bore people with the stats or I can just, I can just eyeball it. And I know that it's the ones that understand that sales is a team sport. That's going to be the ones that are the most successful. Well, that kind of answers the next question of where do you see the future of sales going? Um, you know, in part it is developed from just being an individual who was a bit slick um, who could handle a one-to-one interaction to a, a team that's multi-threaded across an account with multiple relationships and orchestrating different individuals around um, the the buyer or buyers, which is more likely because there's more one buyer, more than one buyer in the process. But right. is there any anything else that you you think when it comes to the future of sales, where things are moving towards? Yeah, ecosystems. So what I think one is one is one is quarterbacking, like you said. Like their job is to basically lead the change management and lead the project from an internal stakeholder across the internal stakeholders and match and mirror and connect the right stakeholders of the organization on the customer side. The second is ecosystems. So people are not buying individual networks anymore. So we do a lot of work with, we do a lot of work with Drift, um, but we will continue to open up that ecosystem here at SalesLoft because we know that people are making decisions, not just about who they partner with, but who those people partner with. And we, we believe that that is going to be a real driver of how do we help people make decisions? Because a lot of it is in a world where money's cheap, there's a lot of competition, there, uh, investment, there's a lot of organizations out there that can solve problems in similar in different ways. The biggest, over, the biggest barrier to landing a new logo is risk. And the easiest way to overcome risk is do I trust somebody that they trust or does do i trust the the network in which i'm investing myself into and that is going to be a, a big driver i believe not only from overcoming that land of the logo but also then making sure that adoption is high and that the wider ecosystem that the business is operating their tech stack they're operating under is as as efficient as it can be because no one's going to buy shelfware in the future so taking that into account what do salespeople? need to look for in terms of developing their long-term career? What areas of skills or capabilities do they need to look to improve? Uh, project management, change management, stakeholder management are the three critical pieces. I can teach 
we can teach anyone the product, we can teach them the talk tracks. I think a lot of that is now actually being people like sales after automating that kind of approach now. Um, and there's a lot of organizations out there. Um, Gong, one of your other sponsors, a great organization. They're teaching people those talk tracks and optimizing that. What you're not teaching is you're not teaching the change management, project management, and stakeholder management. That's a critical part if you really want to be successful at sales these days. Great, great tips there. Um, okay, so we're coming into the final part of the conversation. Um, I'd love to, as we're all about confidence and sales confidence, I'd love to know where you get your confidence from to do what you do. Most of the time, I'm not. Most of the time, I'm not confident. I've, I, I think I've struggled with imposter syndrome pretty much every single organization, every single role I've ever been in. And usually it's that I'm comfortably, un, I kind of, I'm comfortable in a level of uncomfortableness. Um, one of my old bosses, a really good mentor of mine, he, he always says to me, the job is to create order from chaos constantly. And if you're constantly trying to create order from chaos, you're comfortably always going to be uncomfortable. And that's that's the reality. I, the way I think about my, how I handle every interaction and every transaction and every organization and every internal stakeholder is evolving every day. And if it's not, then I'm not going to be getting any better. And so my confidence comes from the ideal that I am not the same salesperson or the same person or the same leader that I was two years ago, let alone five or ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, and I guess, you know, experiencing the downside of sales, like, is there been some times where you've experienced hardship in your career, where you've had to overcome those challenges to get through to the other side? Yeah, I was selling propaganda material for commission only when I was 16. Um, well, that set you up for yeah, That set me up for success, James. Um, yeah, uh, there's definitely there's definitely bits of it, and and I think that the I've always been a relatively confident salesperson. I've always been able to get to the heart of kind of what what I was selling at every point in time because I've been quite conscious in many ways as to what role I went to and what company I went to because I kind of had a I had an affinity for what product they were selling or an affinity to who they were selling to or I felt I could be like be able to mirror the language and talk the language and and and, and that usually lucky enough got me to a point where I was always able to kind of hit my numbers hit my targets and so forth um but I think the struggle has been making making bad decisions about who I was working with and not taking enough into consideration that it wasn't just the product I was selling, but it was who I was selling it with. And they're the ones I've really struggled with. You know, someone can go look at my LinkedIn and if it was ever a role less than two years, it's probably because I made the wrong decision about who I was working with, not the role I was working at. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about others in your team, you're managing lots of people. What, what advice do you have for others in terms of how they can develop their own self-confidence? Uh, it's okay not to be good. It's not okay not to want to be good because if you don't want to be good, then go get a different job because ultimately you're not happy. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. 
I mean, because the, the challenge of a sales career is you might have, especially when you're new to a new sales role in, in a new company, you're not going to be good yet. You have to go back and take a step back and you have to be comfortable, as you've talked about in this conversation, by being uncomfortable. But how long does that last before you can't make progress or you're not making progress against your goals? That's important to consider. So I think that's, that's, that's straight up advice. Um, what do you do to manage your own health and well-being? Uh, I make sure I took I look after my kid. I, well, I, I'm going to look after my kid. I'm not going to neglect the guy. But uh, I mean, actually, spend quality, spend quality time with him every day. Uh, it, it helps me greatly. I I, got, I guess a lot of um, I think I struggle like any new parent that I'm not being a good enough parent, or I'm not spending enough time with him. I'm not developing him enough. So I make sure I I, I switch off and no emails, no Slack. No phone calls. I spend time with him to switch off. Um, and I also make sure that I spend time with my wife as well. So we we uh, we now have a wonderful babysitter and that helps greatly. Um, what about your uh, question I like to ask recently about for sales confidence is we're trying to help people with their mindset, well-being, performance and also what to do with your finances. What What do you spend your commission on these days? uh cots toys and bricks um the uh but no the reality is at the moment it's anything where i can get rid of my cash as quickly as humanly possible because cash is not valuable uh mm. so it's usually uh stocks stocks killed me recently we're in the process of buying a new house but in the process of thinking about an investment property because the investment market's still going up slightly um but most of it is just making sure I get rid of the cash and put it into some some decent, smart investments. Great. Um, so we're coming up to the end of the conversation, Marcus. Yep. Is there any final thoughts or, um, yeah, final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience if they're catching it right at the end, this conversation? Oh, yeah. Sorry about the last 30 minutes, guys. I'm sure <laughs> hopefully you fix up something from it. Um, look, this is a... I'm going to presume that the vast majority of people out there who are listening, who have looked at this, they either be in the sales environment or, or, or working in this industry. And I, and I think that the, the number one thing is, is that it's a tough gig. It's going to continue being a tough gig, but slowly but surely it's communities like this. And it's people who are listening to this that are turning sales into an actual vocation. You should be proud of. Mm, that's great advice. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, Marcus. Um, we'll have to get you on some other stage talks, once again, as we progress the year. Um, and thanks again for Sales Off for being such a wonderful partner to Sales Confidence. We've grown together over the last three, four years and um, may it well continue going forward. Thanks, James. Always a pleasure.